Genesis chapter 11, um, we come to this really uh, weird time in human history, right? And, and, and so uh, we looked in Genesis 1 and 2, and we'd see that there's no chaos inside of God's creation. Zero. Genesis 1 and 2, everything that God created, he looked at it and he goes, that's good. That's real good. Everything that he touched, everything that he started, uh, man, lions and tigers and bears, oh my, and then comes in to play with male and female, and we know Adam and Eve. Inside of all of that, Genesis 1 and 2, it's all good. Zero chaos until when? And we hit Genesis chapter 3 and beyond, and man, we find all kinds of chaos. And I would love to say that at some point in time, the chaos has subsided. The only time that the chaos subsides is when you and I take our last breath and we get to go and spend eternity in heaven. Chaos is going to be a a contributing factor to a lot of the craziness that's in our lives. But we come today to Genesis chapter 11. There's no difference. There's nothing that has been learned. And as smart as we are as human beings, we are still, the Bible's going to show us here, maybe you get offended by this, but we're still stuck on stupid. We're still stuck on stupid. And some of you are like, I'm not stupid. I'm the smartest kid in my class. Like we still, when it comes to sin and when it comes to the things of really and truly pursuing God, we get stuck on stupid at times. And we think that our way is better than God's way. And I just want to reiterate this morning that it is not. Look at Genesis, point number one this morning. In your chaos, never forget that God's plans outweigh our best plans. And I don't know, maybe, you know, we've got a good group of seniors in here today. Man, your plan for college, maybe you've already got it all planned out. I did. I had it all planned out when I hit SFA, man. I thought this is going to be amazing. This is going to be phenomenal. And I had all of my degree plan. I had all of those things picked out just right. And then I sat in my first art class. I was like, whoa, this is weird. This is, this is completely different than anything I grew up on. And, and so, so if you're here today and you feel like you've got your whole plan and it's itemized out, boy, I'm, I'm going to hit this here, this here. Will you just put that over here and say, okay, God, if this is what you have for me, awesome. But if not, will you not let me get too far down that path before I realize you've got something different for me, okay? So God's plans always, always, always outweigh our best plans. Look at Genesis 11, starting verse one. Now the whole earth had one language and the same words. That sounds pretty cool, right? Like in that moment, that one sentence, nothing really sounds wrong with that. It goes chaotic from here. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for, uh, for mortar. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. Now, None of that really sounds bad at the get, right? Like we're sitting here and we're reading it. Like they sound kind of unified. They sound like, okay, one language. They, they, they sound like they're, they're trekking together. It almost sounds like they're unified in what they're doing. There's one language, same words. There's one plane, Shinar. And they said, hey, let's settle here. So we're right here on the heels of what? The flood. We're right here on the heels. And so even in this moment, we're not too far removed from all of those pieces. But could you imagine going to Paris and the people in Paris speaking Texan? 
Howdy, how are y'all? You're going up the Eiffel Tower. Like, could you imagine going anywhere? Like, I love the people of Tonga. I love, like, when I was student pastor in Euless and just doing things with the Tongan culture, like, I love that. But I couldn't imagine going to the island of Tonga and then being, getting off the plane or whatever and them going, Howdy, how are y'all? Like, it would be awesome and it would be amazing, right? But that's not the case. Uh, Kenya, uh, we've got a group that's about to go to Kenya. We have the Steelmans who are already uh, about to be there as well. But wouldn't it be awesome if language wasn't the thing that would be the difficult part of a mission trip? That you could just get there and you could land and you could go to town. That they would say howdy there as well instead of jumbo. Like, like I loved going on my mission trip to Kenya. It's one of the best trips. We're looking to take one of those maybe even next summer to go see the Stillman. So if you want to start saving up for that, we can work that into um, a schedule. And so um, I, went on a, um, I went on a trip to Europe. It was one of the best trips of my life. I really wish that I would have been with maybe different People, when I went with that, because I was with a girlfriend that I was dating and her whole family. Great people, um, but if you're not marrying that person, then that trip kind of uh, seems weird now looking back over it. But, but we went to this town in Germany, and I saw a watch while I was there. She took German in high school, and so I was sitting there. I was trying to talk to the person uh, over the counter, and I thought I was doing pretty good with my Texan. And then she steps in, and she says, I got this. And then she started in on what she thought she was learning, had learned from Germany, uh, from German classes. And then she wound up saying the exact same thing that I said uh, in Texan. And so there was this humongous issue right there, right? Like, like the, the whole breakdown as far as communication and everything. I wound up getting uh, the watch eventually, but it took a long time because there is a huge breakdown when it comes to communication, I used to have some breakdowns when it came to communication with my parents. Anybody else? Yeah, my dad used to have these sayings to me quite often. Hey, son, you're getting a little too big for your britches, aren't you? Anybody ever get that? I didn't even know what britches were. <laughs> Don't get cute with me, boy. Anybody ever get that one? I knew, <laughs> I saw the hand in the back, Cameron. Um, is that your way of saying you're smarter than me? Like, I got those quite often from my dad. And those were times and moments when I could see it in my dad's face that, that I had done something that communicated maybe that I was smarter than he was. Maybe you're a kid here today and you're like, man, I got this thing down pat and I'm way smarter than my parents. I just don't know that you are. Like, you got to factor in life experiences. You got to factor in a whole lot of life inside of my 52 years or fill in the blank with your years. Like those things matter. All of these were ways that my dad was cleverly saying, you ain't grown yet, boy. And we got to get to that place where even spiritually, like we're not there yet, right? And so God is communicating in these next few moments and he's saying some things uh, about his plan and not just our plan. So if you're here today and you feel like your plan is ironed out, again, put it over here and say, God, this, this sounds good to me right now, but I want your plan. Your plan is best. If we hop back to Genesis chapter nine, God says this, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And then in verse seven, he says, and you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. So God had a plan, very specific, yet very generic, right? He says, be fruitful. 
If you're here today and you're wondering really what he means by be fruitful, kids, talk to your parents, okay? And then he says to multiply. Again, talk to your parents. Increase greatly. Again, talk to your parents. Fill the earth. This isn't brain surgery, right? He's saying as you are doing life, fill the earth. Start this process over. The other people couldn't do it right. Had to bring in the flood. Now we're starting from scratch. And now Noah, here's your job. Here's what you're called to do. I don't know if you know this resource at all. I love it. Students, is a great resource. You've got friends, you've got professors in class, and they throw out some, some big things, some, uh, I don't know, things that maybe cause you to question your spirituality, uh, the Bible. Go to gotquestions.org. I love that as a resource. Um, when people ask me and I need a quick answer, more times than not, I will jump on there if it's something I need to text back or, or whatever. I'll jump on there and I'll send it because I've never been led wrong. But look, look at what this, listen to what this says. Humanity, in this moment, humanity decided to do the exact opposite of those things. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. Humanity decided to build a great city and all congregate there. They decided to build a gigantic tower as a symbol of their power to make a name for themselves. You see, in your building a name for yourselves, like you need to be very careful in what name you really are building on, right? Like if you're building on the name of Christ, if you're building on that foundation, man, then we need to add things that, that build on that foundation. We need to allow God the luxury to, to put those bricks and pieces together. But if you're out here and you're all, alone, you're all alone, you're trying to build it for yourself, then you may cut some corners. You may do some things that God never intended or even asked you to do. So today, keep those plans over here. I'm not saying completely forget them. I'm saying if you haven't asked God about them yet, keep them right here. And then say, God, if these aren't yours, then show me what is. Look in here again. Point number two, in your chaos, God has wired us for greatness. He really has. He's wired. Like if you look at all of the things that we can do with our hands, you look at all the things that we can think through in our minds, you look at uh, all of the buildings. We were in Vegas this past week, and just to think of all of the engineers that structured out all of those humongous buildings and yet kept a street uh, going right through it all. Like if you think about that, God has wired us for greatness, but use it for his purpose and glory. And use the brain power, use your strength, use your abilities and your talents, use all of those things for his purpose and glory. Look in uh, 11 verse 5. It says, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower. So obviously this was a big thing. Obviously at that point in time, it was the first real big thing that had been encountered. It made it into the Bible, right? The Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have all one language and this is only the beginning of what they will do. Hmm. And nothing that they purpose, nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Look in verse seven. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. They got too big for their britches. 
They got too big for their bridge. They got to the point where they felt like they didn't need God anymore. And if God was going to send another flood, we'll show him, we'll build a tower big enough that we can all go and hang out there. Why do you think they wanted to stay together and build a tower to heaven? Man, they wanted to live through that next flood. They wanted to get past what was going on. I'm certain that had to be in their head. They already forgot what God promised Noah and how quickly do we forget God's plan for our lives at times. And we get so busy doing our own thing, we forget that God's over here and God's got even better things planned for us than we could ever hope, dream, or have imagined. You see, much of this is on the shoulders of one person in the Bible. His name is Nimrod. And if you go and you look up uh, Nimrod and you begin to kind of do a quick dive into that study, uh, like there, there's so many things, but I pulled some more pieces out of gotquestions.org and, and there's so many pieces about him. I'm just gonna pull a few of them out just so you get a picture of this guy. He's the great grandson of Noah through the line of Cush, the first of the mighty men to appear on the earth after the great flood, which means he's much larger than the normal man. The Bible calls Nimrod a mighty hunter before the Lord. You keep going down through all of these pieces, but the, according to the historian Josephus, Nimrod said this, that he would be revenged on God if he should have a mind to drown the world again. For that he would build a tower too high uh, should the waters, uh, for the waters to reach and that he would avenge himself on God for destroying their forefathers. The motive, according to Josephus, was building the Tower of Babel was to protect humanity against another flood. It's not what God called him to do. God didn't say, hey, go, go hang out in one place. God didn't say, hey, you just have this one language. God didn't say, just stay right here. God said, go, spread out, multiply, do what I'm calling you to do. Life is so much better when we do first what God has called us to do. Life is so much easier, so much smoother. I'm not saying it's always easy, but it's so much better when we choose to do what God calls us to do. And then here's the next point about it. Nimrod was undoubtedly a powerful, charismatic hero figure of the ancient world who actually attempted to build a tower to heaven, hoping to thwart, don't you love that word, hoping to thwart the plans of God. I don't know that that's any of you, like I don't think you would show up today and that'd be your agenda. I'm going to thwart the plans of God. But so often we do, we get sidetracked, we get one degree off course right? One degree off the course that God has for me, and then all of a sudden, man, we are so far off from sinner, off of what God has for us. It's so easy to do, but that was his, the, the, every one of the writers of that day said that this was his main goal, and in the end, Nimrod's power and glory came to nothing because God is stronger than even the mightiest of men. And he cannot be thwarted. Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord, but humility before the Lord is the posture of the wise. So if you're here today, maybe you can bench press the planet. That's awesome. Go do that. Like you work out all the time. But man, figure out what God's plan is for your life and do those things and do them well. So God moved to man again. We saw that God, God then comes down. He comes to see, to prove again that they aren't God, but he is. Man, he, he had to do the same thing to Adam and Eve, right? He had to come down. He had to step into that situation. He had to prove to them again, hey, you're not, you're not too big for your britches. I don't even have britches. I'm gonna have to make you britches. That's what, that's what God had to do for them. He did it with Noah. He did it with Adam and Eve. But here in this moment, 
God remembers how good he created them. He remembered, man, he, he says they are so smart and they are wise and there's really nothing that they can't do if they put their minds and hearts to it. And even God uses this story to tell you, man, he's wired you for greatness. Like he's wired you to do whatever profession he's called you to do. Some of you, he's got you through uh, school this far. Like you're graduating. Maybe some of you are going to graduate summa cum laude like my wife did. And maybe some of you are going to graduate thank the Lord like I did. I don't know where you are on that spectrum, but here's the deal. You are all wired for greatness. We've got people who are in the medical field in here. We've got educators in here. And we've got engineers in here. We've got so many people that represent here. We've got moms, we've got grandmothers. We've got so many great people inside of this room. And there's some great things that we could accomplish, but none of them would be nearly as great if they weren't the plans that God had for us, amen? So in this beautiful picture, they're united. God's reminding himself and and others in this story. They're united. They have one language. This is only the beginning. Nothing is impossible, but these aren't the things that I've called them to do. So what does he do? He steps in. God is going to do what God wants to do. Can I tell you that today? God's gonna do in your life what God wants to do. And you and I, we can go kicking or screaming, or we can go with our yes on the table. We can say, okay, God, I want to do what you want to do. I want you to do what you want me to do in my family. I want to do what you want me to do in college. I want to do what you want me to do. And God is saying, hey, as long as you jump in and you have your yes on the table, man, there's no stopping what we can do together. It's almost like God is saying they can't handle greatness. God in this moment says they're, they're gonna mess this thing up again. They're already on their way to do that. So then verse seven, let us go down to them. Let's confuse their language. Let's make it hard for them to communicate. Why? Because obviously when it was easy, they couldn't follow the Lord. When it was easy, when he just said, hey, go and do these things, they could not do the simple task. And so God's gonna say in this moment, and I believe he says, let's make it harder on them. Why? So that there would be a deeper understanding that God is God and that I need to follow him in all things. And when things get difficult, man, I need to rely on the Lord. Point number three, in your chaos, it's okay if his plan leaves your plans undone. Like think through that. It's okay if God's plan leaves yours undone. Maybe he gives you the opportunity to circle back around. Maybe he gives you the opportunity to come back to that But if he calls you to do something, why? So we can rely on him again and again and again and not ourselves. Look in verse eight. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all of the earth and they left off building the city. This great thing that they thought, hey, here it is. This is the most amazing thing since the flood. This is greatness. They left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord dispersed them over the face of all of the earth. Notice a few things here. Dispersed. It means they scattered. And that's what chaos, that's what chaos really does in our lives. Chaos, it, it scatters. It scatters families. Like if, if in our family on any given day, you got four different people, and those four different people are going four very different directions at times. Chaos does that in a family's life, right? And so chaos can do that in a life. Left one place and finally did what God was calling them to do, but he had to step in. 
He had to step in. He goes, I'm gonna do this the right way. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this a little more difficult so that they will go and do, and then they will rely on me. It says they left off. It means they stopped. They ceased their plan, their design, their hope, their goal, and they went to do his. And then the next one, confused. It's what we've been ever since, right? It's what we've been ever since. Like, like teenagers don't understand adults all the time. Adults don't always understand teenagers all the time, amen? Maybe that's just our family. And then, and then, um, and then, and then sometimes students don't understand teacher, and sometimes uh, teachers don't understand students and where they're coming from. Sometimes we don't understand our boss. Uh, sometimes we don't understand. Like, there's just so many different ways that we get confused at times. Man, beautiful opportunity for us to come together and to really sink our teeth into what does God have us to do in all these different settings and scenarios. Babel, what really happened here is God's judgment stepped back in again. God says, hey, I've got to do this. I've got to step in. Those who found each other and could understand, they left together and they settled elsewhere. He confused it to enforce his command for humanity to spread throughout the whole world. This doesn't teach that God created different ethnicities here, but it's possible that that's where all of that began to play out. It's not what it's taught here, but it did say that he confused the language. Many believe those ethnicities existed prior to the tower, but Genesis 11, if you look at Genesis 11, it is a flashback to what's talked about in Genesis 10. It just gives more detail. I love how God gives more detail. Point number four, no matter what chaos comes or where you find yourself on the planet, continue to make his name famous. Continue. Man, in God's, in God's attempt in this, God, God is moving people all over the planet. Why? What is our greatest goal as believers, those who love God with our whole life? It's to know him and to make him known. So God needed his people all over the planet. God spread them out. And, and I believe this, that God is still doing that to this day. Worship God, read his word, point others to Jesus. Those are great ways where we're able to make him known on this planet. Man, the best way to make him known is to know him yourself. Like to know as much as you possibly can about it. If you're not spending time with him, then it is so easy to get sidetracked. It is so easy, uh, easy to get off track. It's so easy to, to forget what God has done for us. God is still dispersing people, man. We had the Steelmans here with us for uh, some great years, and then God called them onto the mission field, and now they are on their way to Kenya. He's still dispersing people. We'll take a mission trip to go to Minneapolis this summer. And our students are going to go there, and some of, their, uh, some of our adults are going with them. But why are we going there? To show the love of Jesus Christ and to make his name known there. We'll be able to do a kid's camp while we're there. Three to 400 kids, that's three to 400 people that represent a family, hopefully, that we'll be able to, to influence and get them to come and be a part of a church that does this setup and this kind of teardown every week. How do we know that God is still in the dispersing of things? Look and turn to the New Testament, Matthew 28. Matthew 28 says this, and when they saw him, who's him? When they saw Jesus, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Could it be that maybe you showed up today, there's still some skepticism, there's still some doubt in your life. Can God really do what he says he can do? Can, can Jesus really intervene in my life? And Jesus came and said to them, all authority, all, not some, not just there in that moment to be able to appear in a room where men had already gathered, all authority 
Every bit of it in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Same authority as what was given at Babel. The same authority there is the same authority that Jesus is giving us to go in our daily lives, in our neighborhoods, on a mission trip, going to college. The same authority that God has and he has given to men and women uh, throughout all of time, he's still giving it to you today to go and to make him known and to make him, uh, make him the, the, hopefully the heartbeat of, of so many other people's lives as they see that alive in you. Same authority. I'm sending you with a story to the ends of the earth. That's what he did in that moment. He would much rather have have seen them all go and do exactly what God called him to do. But God's always gonna intervene to do what God is calling us to do. He wants you to have your best life possible. And he knows that that's when you and I surrender to his will. So if you're here today and and maybe you're sitting there and you've been, for a long time, you've been trying to, to figure out, man, what is God's plan for my life? Don't stop asking. Don't don't stop spending time with him. Don't stop these times of worship because these are great times to be able to hone in on him and to focus on what that call, that purpose, that plan might be. But also find somebody. I had Bobby Smith and Dr. Alan Reed while I was in college. And I had those men who saw something in me that I did not see in myself. And because of their voice in my life, because of their leading and because of what they believe they saw God doing in my life, man, I'm in ministry today. My mom and dad, they would have loved to to have said those same things early on. I don't know that I would have listened to them, but now I get to college. And these men who are investing in me and these men who are, I'm working alongside in ministry. It's amazing how God used their voice in my life to get me to this place Today, God can use whoever and however to get you wherever he wants you to be.